On this week's episode of Power of the Towel, the NHL season is suspended. There is no hockey right now. Breaking news, unless you've been living under a rock the past few days. We live in uncertain times. This is an uncertain time for everyone, but I'm going to give give you all my thoughts and maybe help help everyone make sense of this whole situation. We'll get to our uh, usual amended segments at the end of the episode, and our guest this week is none other than Tej Dollywall. You know him as one of the co-hosts of the Larsh Cast. Should be a good one. Palatable! You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. You know, in most situations, we would start off this episode with talking about what I was expecting to start this episode off last week was, you know, the this important, super important back-to-back against Phoenix and Colorado that was coming up for the Vancouver Canucks, but obviously that was that was put on hold because of an unprecedented outbreak uh, happening around the world, a global pandemic, coronavirus, COVID-19, has pretty much shut down professional sports. There's not really much going on. If there is, it's getting played behind closed doors. All the major European leagues are are pretty much in soccer, are pretty much done. NHL's done. NBA's done. I mean, it, it came all to a head Wednesday night. I think, uh, I think everyone, I think it hit home for everyone that once Rudy Gobey tested positive for the coronavirus, once you had a player in professional sports testing positive. Then it became, I think, apparent to everyone that the season needs to be suspended right now and everyone needs to take care of this before we before we get back in the, in the sports. And as I said at the top, it's an unprecedented time. When was the last time there was a global pandemic like this? 1918? That's probably the last one. So pretty much, unless you're over 100 years old, you've got, you've got no memory of the last time this ever happened. There's no real playbook, no real reference point in how to how to conceptualize this situation. It's it really is. I keep on saying unprecedented, but it really is. Not just the fact that all these major sports are done, because I guess that's if that's the angle you want to take. We are a sports podcast, and hey, a lot of us who do sports podcasts, who create content around this, our calendars rely heavily on the on the sports calendar. You know, right now should be should be the first coming up the first week of March Madness. That's that was I I always look forward to it. And now that's not even not even postponed. They just canceled it. They just canceled March Madness. No March Madness here. The big news recently I think if you want again to hockey specifics when if there's even a timetable for hockey coming back is the CDC, the Center of Disease Control, out in the United States just issued a guideline there should be no gatherings of more than 50 people for the next 60 days, so two months. So the earliest you could say any of these pro sports come back is probably May sometime. Maybe these sports come back a bit 
bit earlier, but they do the whole closed door thing. Everyone's super quarantined. Maybe that's how you play through it, but I think at this point you're taking crazy pills if you think like the NHL, NBA, pro sports, if, if it's coming back before May. Today, the big news in the coronavirus was just uh, United St- uh, Canada closing its borders, essentially, not to the United States just yet. Although I do think that's a possibility they should consider. But I can see why they leave it open to United States. You know, it's a big, it's a big economic, political thing to close that border. Think about all the trade that happens between the two countries on a daily basis. And hey, l- let's look at the U.S. leadership. Donald Trump's a very vindictive man. You don't, you don't want to you don't want to piss him off by saying, "Well, I think this is what Justin Trudeau's thinking." I don't think you want to piss him off saying, "Hey, you guys have fucked up really badly with your coronavirus response. We got to shut this border. You guys are not welcome." It's a complicated situation. This whole coronavirus thing. I'm of the opinion that I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think you know. A lot of these places are doing quarantines until, you know, the end of the month. Hey, maybe that lasts a bit longer. I think what the key lesson is, it's better to overreact in these situations. It's better to close these restaurants, bars, shops early than to do it too late and then the coronavirus is still out of control. Over, I think close to, I'm going to look it up right now, but I think it was Italy still today has a pretty high death toll, even though the country's under been quarantined for a while now. You know, it's still... 200, 300 people dying. And sure, it's going to level off when you tell everyone just to stay at home and not move not move around except you got to buy food and eat. I think it's better to do these situations a bit before they're necessary. I mean, watching, like I've been, I'm Italian. I've, I've been following what's happening in Italy for, you know, two to three weeks now. And man, it's like, I said it before online, it's like, it's like being in a TV show, watching a TV show four to five episodes before everyone else, you know. And that's why I figured at the time they, when the when the NHL, NBA were considering playing behind closed doors, it wasn't going to work because they, they tried that in Italy. They tried playing behind closed doors and the virus kept spreading. A bunch, there's so many, there's like, there's one team in Italy that has like seven or eight confirmed cases of the coronavirus right now amongst its players. And if you want to take another example... Originally, uh, Serie A, the uh, the main soccer league in Italy, proposed coming back April third. This is at the beginning of the uh, of the mass quarantine, and now they're saying that's not enough time. It's not going to be resolved by then. Hopefully, we can get back May third. I haven't heard any you know drop dead dates, so to say, for NHL, NBA, but, but hey, I, I, I'm fully prepared for no sports until May, if that. In terms of Linking this back all to the Vancouver Canucks, I mean, I saw that the uh, the Canucks are donating a bunch of food to the food banks. I still don't like the fact that they're paying at paying you know contractors or you know sorry people working at the stadium on a need to need basis. Hey, that, this is and this is coming from someone who used to be I I worked at Rogers Arena for a season selling beer. I'm I was I was in the situation at the time I. I was 21 years old. I was still living at home. I was going to school. It was a good... I was still freelancing around at the student newspaper at SFU. I think I would have been fine if this happened then. But there's a lot of people I worked with, I remember, who this was a large source of their income or, you know, they were older 
men and women who needed this income to supplement their retirements. There was a lot of people like that, actually. And this was a, you know, making tips at a hockey game was a big, you know, they had like maybe two to three different bartending service jobs. And the, if any one of them fell through, they had to go quickly find another one. And think about just not even the Canucks service workers. Think about all these service workers that are going to have to be going to have to be compensated or going to lose their jobs because of the shutdown. Sure, they're going to, you know, look at what's happening in New York. They're still, they're still allowing takeout and all that stuff and good on them. But you don't, it's not the same. Like you don't get tips or anything like that. Again, it's just, it's just wild times here with the, with the coronavirus. Luckily, I'm by myself right now in the, uh, in the posted up studios in North Burnaby. It's pretty close to my house. Managed to sanitize all the uh, all the stuff I usually use before, but man, it's scary. Like, stay at home if you can. That's 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 what everyone's saying. That's what health experts are saying. That's what I've been trying to do. And if you want to say, hey, stay at home. Hey, I'm a young. I'm I'm not going to be affected by this. I, I would I would counter that with two things. First of all, there's a lot of cases out there that uh, that have you know lost studies from, especially from South Korea. South Korea is like at the forefront of this what to do for the coronavirus because they're te- not only are they implementing, implementing sorry, strict social distancing measures, they're also testing everyone, and I mean everyone. And they found that 30% of people aged 20 to 29 have the coronavirus but are asymptomatic, which means they don't know they have it, but they're still spreading it around the community. 30%. Right now in Canada, we're just testing people who are showing symptoms. We don't have a test at the moment, or we don't test at all people who are asymptomatic. We don't test everyone. And that's what you got to do. You got to test everyone. It's not only that, hey, you want to go out? Fine. The decision will be made for you soon if you continue to to want to go out to the bars. I'm just going to say that. The decision will be made on your behalf soon. So not only could you be going out there with no symptoms spreading around, you could come back. If we're in a situation where everyone's forced told to stay at home, which I think in the lower mainland is going to come sooner or later, you're asymptomatic, you're living with your parents maybe at the time, they're older, and they catch the virus because of you, are you going to be able to live with yourself? Are you going to be able to live with that guilt? Hey, if your parents are healthy, more likely than not, they're going to survive. And one more thing. Half of the ICU intensive care unit cases of the coronavirus in France, which, like Italy, is now in complete lockdown, are people between the age of 30 and 50. This is, I, don't th- I think this is not just an old person's disease. Don't think I'm going to be young. I'm going to be fine. There's still a chance you get seriously ill with this coronavirus. It's much more deadly than the flu. We'll be talking this, I'm sure, a lot with our uh, upcoming guest, Tej Dollywall of the Larsh cast. Just a minute. Don't hang up. Yellow. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. So we now welcome on Power of the Towel. You may know him as one of the co-hosts of the Larsh cast. It's Tej Dollywall. Tej, how's it going, buddy? Hey, how are you doing, Nick? Nice, nice to hear from you. Yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been a pretty interesting week. So I actually... Kyle was just here, but I'm just about to call uh, JD Burke up uh, if you want to make this a three-way phone conversation for the next uh, <laughs> for the next hour. 
Oh yeah, my best friend right there. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, Let's exactly. What's uh, what's what was it? Okay, so this whole Twitter beef with you and JD, like, is it like actually like something significant, or was it just what I my theory was? Aaron was bored at home on Friday with no hockey, and they just had to find something to talk about. Well, I mean, if you guys really want to talk about it, I mean, it's not. I don't really look. I don't think too much about it in, in my personal life, but you know, we have this large cast. You know, we we started this large cast adventure, and it's not so much as personal as if you're going to fire shots at me. Well, you know, I'm not going to sit there and let you do that. I'm going to fire a shot back, right? So they fired the first shot, and I retaliated. Got into a little bit of a social media back and forth over the last, you know, over the course of the season. And, you know, at the end of the day, he blocked me because, you know, that's his prerogative, and I just laughed. And, you know, that's, that's where we're at now. I'm not really thinking too much about it, guys, so. Hey, fair, fair enough, fair enough. It's uh, not maybe not really the time to do, do the whole, uh, think about the whole Twitter beefs that much considering what's going on. It's just silly, though, because, you know, like, to be honest, like, uh, if anybody enters the Canucks conversation, you know, the Canucks nation, they want to bring, you know, their own voice or whatever to the, to the, to the nation, you shouldn't discourage that. You should encourage it, right? So when JD and his friends and, you know, some guys from the Canucks Army, not all of the Canucks Army, but there's some guys there, the editor or whatnot, right? But when they kind of, like, started attacking us for no reason, uh, it, it just was silly to me. So, you know, I'm just not going to let anybody try to, you know, bully or strong arm me. So I'm just not that kind of person to call it self-defense or just call it whatever you want. But I just, you know, stood up for our large cast and stuff for myself. And it got, it just escalated from there. And then I guess it blew up to that, you know, this most recent uh, Twitter, you know, he, he lost to Aquilini, uh, him and M. Jackson lost to Ackley in this Canucks Twitter March Madness, which is just a stupid popularity contest. But Yeah, why weren't I mean, you in it? Well, there you go. I mean, they're all part of the same group, right? So uh, it's just, it's silly. Um, I don't really care if I'm in it or not, but obviously you can read into that. And then, uh, so I just had some fun with it. You know, it felt like uh, we may not have been in it, but, you know, we, we kind of like won that contest there. So <laughs> <laughs> you won it through Francesco. Uh, through in, uh, vicariously through Francesco yeah. Accolini there, so but you, you know, honestly, <laughs> I don't really care too much about. It. That was like a couple of days ago. Now we should move on. But uh, I know you see, guys are just going to ask questions. Obviously, you, no, you you may not care about this Twitter bracket, but me and Kyle desperately want to get on it next year. So this this we have to talk about it. I feel a bit. Well, hey, listen, like uh, say what you want, but at the end of the day, I don't think these popularity contests do anybody any any good i mean they're fun for for you know certain people but you can see where it can take it like even before this happened there were other people upset that their friends weren't on it or or they weren't on it and, and it kind of like it's it's like one person is picking and choosing or you know who, who their version of connect twitter is and you're excluding people that you don't agree with or you don't see eye to eye with or just you don't like and it, it already segregates a group of, you know, Canucks Nation, right? So there are a lot of people that I would have put, you know, in consideration for this March Madness. And, uh, I mean, not in, excluding the large cast people, just people on Twitter that could have been on there and, you know, they weren't. And obviously you're going to, you're going to make some people happy. You're going to make some people mad. And so I don't know if it's something that Daryl keeping is going to want to do next year, but we'll see where it goes. But 
hey, if it is here next year and you guys are in it, you guys have my vote. Okay, that, that's, that's exactly what I was trying to campaign for there. <laughs> so you mentioned er, you mentioned earlier the large cast. It's quickly, I think, become one of the biggest like fan-run Canucks podcasts out there. What made you decide to start the large cast, and did you think it would, you know, get to where it is this quickly? Because when did you guys start? Like well, last summer, right? We uh, started like you know we, the, the idea came about April two thousand and nineteen, I think, and then uh, it came to fruition in June. Like that was our first episode um, before the draft there, and yeah, I mean it's just an initiative. Like we're all of us are members of the Larshiders, which is as you know, uh, four years running now. Mm-hmm. It's a fan initiative in arena to raise the hell out of that you know roof and and just you know create an energy around the team in the rink that it seemed to be lacking over the years and you know it kind of faded away and maybe due to the corporate nature of the lower bowl or whatever you want to say uh the the fair weather nature of vancouver or the the trendy nature of vancouver you know people like to go to connects games take pictures and post you know selfies on instagram like hey i'm at the game but are they really caring about the team on the ice and the product, right? So the Larshiders was born for that reason four years ago. And then, you know, I was one of the group leaders and I just kind of like noticed that it was having an effect and it got me thinking, you know, I mean, I'm a very passionate Canucks fan. I've been a diehard fan all my life. And I just got me thinking, how else can we, we resurrect some more passion around this team? Because if you think about the coverage over the years, it's been a bit like, and not just over the years, I'm talking about like, even when we were in the finals, like it, there always seemed to be this like, this overly cynical nature, like the Canucks, like they're not going to get it done. You know, they yeah, don't but have a lot of that negative coverage it. was coming from like national media. I feel like back in 2011, right? It was like the columnist oh, oh. outside of Toronto who were really like, I don't want the Canucks to win. I want the Bruins to win because the Canucks were dying over there, whatever the, the you're hundred percent right though. You're hundred percent right though. But if the, if the push is coming from a, any, anywhere, if we push back, we would drown out that noise and it wouldn't even affect us. Did we have enough pushback in the city? I don't think so. You know, we had moments where we were celebrating, you know, victories and it was great, but the coverage around the team, even locally seemed to buy into that national, you know, mandate or whatever you want to call it. National, like, uh, uh, you know, nature, right? So the, the bottom line is like, it didn't resonate with a lot of the, the fans in the large shredders, like the diehard fans that I, you know, on family and friends and, and, and people in the community and, you know, around the rink that, that, uh, love the game of hockey and have been following the, the Canucks for many years. And like, it didn't resonate with us as much. And so we wanted to, we wanted to just push back and bring that, you know, fan perspective into the fold. And maybe our voice kind of got lost in the shuffle over the years or, mm-hmm. so we just wanted to bring that back. And I feel like we're, we're doing that now. That's why the large cast kind of, it, it, it's, it's taken, you know, pl- its place now in Canucks, in Canucks lore and going forward, we hope to, to continue to, to, it's all about the fans. It's not about us. Like that's the, that's the thing. Like we didn't start an individual initiative. It, you know, it's not called a, the, the Tej Dollywall cast. It's the Larsh cast based on Tommy Larsh. Oh, Tommy Larsh. Sorry. Who, who also, you know, started the Larsh Shiders yeah. based on that name right there. So it's all, it's all about an entity or like a, there's a deeper meaning behind it that it's like a, almost like a revolution. They call it that, but we, we really, we feel passionately about that. We want to, we just want to rile up this, this nation and, and really build an army, do whatever we can as fans to help the team on the ice. And I understand you can't be a, a, just super positive and you can't ignore the mistakes and you can't be, 
you know, blind blindfolded or, or wearing rose colored glasses as, as they say. But that's not the case. It's just that we we choose to focus more on the the glass half full rather than the glass half empty side of things. And that's all it is. Yeah. You're you're someone who likes to think that a trade will work out despite, you know, maybe some obstacles. Right? Is that is that what you're just you're just a half glass well, half yeah, like guy. If, you you're, you want to take yeah, like exactly take a positive that. Like aspect. If, I live my life that way too, guys. Like, you know, I've had a near death experience in my life and it changed my life completely, my perspective on life. And, you know, I feel like a, a sense of gratitude to be here and alive. And so it's just the nature of, of how I think. And I feel like it's had a, a positive impact on my life. And if you, if you apply that same mindset to, to anything, you know, Canucks or work or your friendships or your, your personal relationships, you can overcome more than if you succumb to the will of the negativity or the the glass half empty side of things where it can put you down a sort of like a rabbit hole, you know, like if you immediately judge a trade and then say, Hey, like this is the worst trade or 24 hours later, I'm still laughing about this trade. I think we saw one of those tweets, right. You know, so it's, it's, it's being too quick to judge. It's you're jumping to conclusions. You're not giving even an ounce of thought, to the idea that maybe there's a light at the end of this tunnel or maybe there's a positive thing that can come out of this that you didn't foresee or you don't think is going to come to fruition, but it does because you gave it some time, you know, patience is a virtue, right? So that's mm-hmm. just how I feel, right? So that's how we feel. Yeah. So you, you should consider becoming like a motivational speaker or something like that. That, that had, that speech had to be pumped. Like I'm, I'm feeling so much better <laughs> after that. Even with my lethargic uh, attitude right now, I'm just had, I'm coming back from a long walk. Right? So I told you guys no, beforehand. That, but no, that was awesome. If, if you think that was motivational, I mean, wait till I got some energy under these wings. But. Okay. <laughs> go grab a Red Bull or something done, like that, done, and we'll go, go do it. I have done some motivational speaking, and, and then I, you know, on the side, and I do I do envision a, you know, a future in that, in that nature. But uh, anyways, uh, it, it's not anything that I'm currently focused on right now, but if you think about the large cast, maybe that's, you know, motivational. It's motivated. Cool right it's right? it's, the, it's the Tony Robbins for Canucks fans. Like I just, there I, you go. I, I listen to it and like it gets me. Get everything's okay. Don't worry about it. Well, let me ask you, what are your what are your what are your thoughts on the Lurch cast? Like when you listen to it, like you know, I'm gonna pick your brain here. Like, oh, give okay. me some critique. I'm give getting, me some feedback. I'm getting interviewed now. You're getting interviewed now. Okay. I'm taking the no, mic from you here. I, so. I appreciate I appreciate the different angle that you guys take. You guys get the big. You guys get all the big media guys. Like I've had I've had Patrick Johnson on my show. I've had Harmon and Dial on my show as well, but you guys always seem to take, you know, a positive angle on things and whether it's, you know, whether I disagree or disagree with it, I do, I do respect the fact that there's someone out there who's going like always willing to look at the glass half full. Cause sometimes, you know, sometimes I need it. Sometimes I need that glass half full mentality. So the funny thing is, I mean, I appreciate that, but the funny thing is there's a couple of guys on our podcast that are actually not, glass half full they're yeah. more neutral or they maybe they, they swing both ways right in, in positive negative right so uh like you know nav the for example and, and also brad thomas and even gulu nanda they go, they're more they're more uh level mm-hmm. you know but at least they, they you can, have they can, at least you have a mix of yeah, voices there's, on there there's, there's a, a nice mix. mix is what i'm yeah. getting at yeah and i think you know myself and my co-host sad obroy we do a good job of, of leading that conversation and you know, we wanted to bring guests into the fold. Like, you know, a lot of people, there were a lot of podcasts that started actually around the same time. Well, we, we started in June and then I think in like August, there was like a blow up of podcasts that came out. And uh, a lot of them, 
were were centered around themselves as, as individuals trying to enter the, the fold. And, you know, I think it's important to bring guests on so that you can have those conversations with established members of the media who have that level of respect, who carry the, that level of respect in the market. And then by doing that, it gives you more credibility. And also, if you have these conversations, these candid conversations with these guests, especially if they're in studio, it makes it really easy to have a candid conversation. But if you have those guests in studio and you agree and you disagree and, and you can gauge the level of intellect on the conversation and how much people really know about the game. And, and so I think that's important for anybody who's out there listening. If you're thinking about starting a podcast or you're, you know, I would say reach out to these guys out there in the media. I mean, there's a lot of people that are willing to spend time talking to anybody, really to give a helping hand. I think Jason Botcher did a really remarkable thing and it actually happened posthumously. Uh, it, it was revealed that he was reaching out to so many people. He was talking to everybody out there and I didn't know that about him when he was alive, you know? And so it was an amazing thing that came out of a tragic event. And I feel like it, it resonated with a lot of people in the media. They, they started to, you know, a lot of people didn't think twice anymore about giving a helping hand. And, and so anybody who wants to start, or even you guys continuing to go, you guys are, doing a good thing here at Power of the Tall. Great name, by the way. But yeah, they keep you. asking everybody out there. They're all, they're, it's it's going to be a, it's gonna be a, take a, a really salty person to say no. So let's just put it that way. Yeah, no, I like having these big media names <clears throat> on, on the podcast so I can ask some stupid questions. I like to ask like Patrick Johnson, yeah. like, what's your favorite kind of whisper? And I like to ask like Harmon, like, what's your Tinder game like? That's why I just want to. I want to get. I want to. My whole goal is to get yeah. like, these media names and ask them a question. Maybe someone else hasn't thought of. One hundred percent. Yeah, those are those are things that you don't. You know, you don't get a chance to see these, the personal side of these guys yeah. sometimes. Uh, but that's, that's always fun. And that's what the like really interests me. So one hundred percent. What is, What are your thoughts? You know, bef- we'll talk about you know the the shutdown or pause or whatever the NHL wants to call it yeah, a, bit, later. a bit later. Yeah. But what, what what's been your thoughts on the Canucks season? up until this kind of pause shut down, like where, where did you see this team progressing? Did you like the progress? Where, where, what were your, just your thoughts on the season? Well, I'm really happy where, where the team is at. You know, um, I look at year over year improvement. That's the, the main indicator for me. And obviously you can evaluate a roster composition on paper. And, and in the, in the off season, I felt like we, we really strengthened this roster. I was a huge proponent of the Miller trade. I know it cost a bit, you know, at the time, it seemed like an arm and a leg, and then, in, in, and if you look at it in hindsight, it's more like a, a pinky and a middle, you know, a, a big toe maybe. But it's like it's it's bringing those guys in that have that pedigree, like Miller and last year Pearson, and you know, Lebo, and you know, Jim Benning has struggled with some trades in the past, but in the past he was dealing with, you know, excuse my language, but a shit show of a roster and and a lot of these NTCs and. And NMCs, and, and and so it was difficult for him to maneuver, and he had aging Sedins, and so it was just a difficult situation to come into, and under the mandate of making the playoffs, so he had to he had to kind of be aggressive to fill a roster out, and you know he struck out a few times, and Erickson was a huge miss, but that was a three headed miss, you know Linden, Benning, and Aquilini all together made that miss, and so there were mistakes made, and it, and it really made it tough for him, but you know, and I'm not gonna give Jim Benning the sole credit here, but he was the man who decided to go ahead with Pedersen and he decided to go ahead with, you know, Besser and Hughes and even the Vertanen pick. If you think about it, it's no longer regarded as a failed pick. It's more like Mm -hmm. it wasn't the best pick, 
but it's not a not that bad, right? He's, he's playing pretty good. He's going to be a 2020 player if the season finishes, right? So uh, it's one of those things where I'm looking at year over year, and this year, like, we've taken a big jump, guys. Like, there's no denying that. Mm-hmm. Watching the, the game on the ice and watching, you know, bringing Toffoli into the mix costs a lot again, but I believe they're going to resign him. He's a priority resign. He may cost, you know, somebody else, like with Stetcher or they're going to cost for sure. He's probably going to cost a Levo and you know, whatnot. But, uh, Toffoli is the type of guy who, as you can tell, he's such a stud, man. He's got that championship pedigree and he's a sniper. He's a cerebral player and he's a perfect complement to Miller and Pedersen. I don't see how Besser can come back and take that line. Um, as much as I would, was a proponent of seeing Pearson play with Toffoli again, based on their chemistry, but chemistry is a, it's three people, not two. And sometimes, Maybe it was, you know, you got to think about it as Pearson, Carter, and Toffoli. You can't just put Horvat in there and, and expect that, that 70s line to reappear, right? So uh, right now, it's, it's it's pretty sweet watching Miller, Pedersen, and, and Toffoli out there. Like, it seems like they're dominating shifts, and it's like a, a true number one line, you know, offensively and defensively. So I think Toffoli is an important resign. If you look at it next year, that's probably one of the best top sixes in the NHL, right, if we... You know, right now, if with Besser healthy, it's one of the best top sixes in the NHL this year. So I'm very excited about where this team is going, but we still are lacking that number one right-hand defenseman who's yeah. got a shot, who can play a power play. Myers is filling that role right now, and he may fill that role next year if we can't get a Petrangelo or if we can't, you know, get somebody else to, to fill it, if we can't, you know, trade for a right-handed guy like, you know, Dumba's name has been in the mix, right? So if we can't get that Myers is going to fill that role for two years. And, and if you ask me, like if he's playing as a number one guy this year and he's playing well, you guys saw Harmon Dialli wrote, wrote an article in the athletic it was a really well-written article. And then it analyzed Myers impact this year as a number one guy. He's playing the most minutes as a number one, right. Or as a right, a right uh, defenseman. He's number one in minutes. He's, mm. he's got uh, the be- best defensive profile, I think, because of uh, you know, he's playing a power play as well, and he's, he's eating up a lot of big minutes in, on the penalty kill. And so it, it's important that people recognize that he's he's earning the value of his contract right now. Tanev is basically healthy all year. You know, we got injured, at, you know, at the end here, but um, he's been healthy all year because he's playing less minutes, because Myers is there. So, like, I, I look at that contract like it's a wait and see. Maybe everybody come, is right, the fourth and fifth year, it, it's not worth it, but we don't know where the cap is going to go. You know, we, how much of an impact percentage wise is that his hit, his cap going to be on the, on the salary cap. Right. So there's a lot of factors again, glass half full, you know, wait and see, you don't want to like rush to judgment because maybe we win a cup in his third year, you know, who knows what happens. Right. So I'm just happy overall. I like where the team is going and uh, we're on a trajectory upwards. We got Colson and Hoaglander coming in soon. Like those are going to be two absolute beauties that join the team. So uh, yeah, a lot of excitement, you know, heading heading uh, to this year, the end of the playoffs here, and whatever happens with the coronavirus, obviously uh, remains to be seen. But yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I've 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 always said that Brock Besser should be on that second line with Bo Horvat. Like in his rookie season, they seem to play really well together. And I get all the memes and jokes about Louis Erickson, like, oh, he's the empty net specialist. He was never going to last full time on that second line, right? It was always no. like a, it was always like you know very temporary position. So whenever whenever this starts up again, I would say put Besser back on that second line with Horvat and see where that takes yeah. you. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what I would do too. I mean, it's just hard to hard to take the Foley off that top line, and 
you know, Besser, he's, he's played well last game. They, they won a good game. There it was a, uh, shootout win, obviously, but, uh, Besser looked, looked good with Horvat and, and Pearson. And I think he's got a better two way profile than people think. And you can use that. You can even use him in a shutdown role. If you want to keep Horvat in that shutdown role, they used Pedersen that game against Barzal and that Pedersen's line was the shutdown line then, but it kind of gives you two different options, right? You can use either the top line or the second line in a shutdown role. That's another weapon in the, in the tool shed there. So good stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. So let's get a bit into this kind of coronavirus talk I'd say so you did I think you did a good job on your podcast breaking the news that like the NBA was suspending their season and it just felt really surreal to me because I'm like it, it seemed like a cavalcade of just like big events like as soon as one person tested positive they're like okay shut everything down like going going back to like the NHL though like what was your reaction when you saw the news that the NHL was gonna suspend their season as I wasn't that shocked at the time I thought like once the NBA yeah. shut down the NHL didn't really have any choice. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you guys heard on that on that podcast, uh, I, I fully suspected the NHL to follow suit. Uh, it was just the right thing to do. As we know now, in hindsight, it was definitely the right thing to do. Maybe it happened a little bit too late, but uh, it didn't seem like it made a huge impact. I think a couple of organizations, like the Canucks actually, and somebody in their staff had uh, contracted the virus. But um, honestly, when you're dealing with an epidemic like this, or a pandemic, as you call it, uh, it's, it's, it's a novel virus, so there's so much that's unknown about it that you have to do whatever you can to mitigate the risk and just to protect the, the greater population. Um, there's no room to be selfish when it comes to these events. Um, there's no room to be a fool like Rudy Gobert and, and, and act like you're immune or, you know, there's no chance. Yeah. Well, you're going to spread the virus, touch all the microphones and now he's infected, you know, a couple of guys on his team and the NBA had to shut down because of this guy. So, you know, you can't, you can't be, you just can't be foolish. I mean, ignorant is the better word, but there's too much ignorance in this world. And that's a problem, as we can tell, you know, you, with this virus escalating every day now, you you see all these warnings for shutdown or for social distancing. And, and how many people are really heeding these warnings? Yeah. You saw videos of, of mass gatherings and concerts and I, St. Patty's Day over the weekend in Florida, they're on the beach, they're celebrating their, you know, and then meanwhile, there's an outbreak of like 19, 20 viruses that they've tested and, and, and discovered through tests, but that's just through testing. You don't, you don't know how many of those asymptomatic yeah. or those minimally symptomatic people are also contracting or have the people, virus and I are think, spreading it. I think people out there are really underestimating like how many probably cases there are in the United States that well, have no, that's that the they case have no with idea. Every, yeah, and that's the case. Then that's how these pandemics spread. Now you got to realize China. China dealt with SARS originally. They dealt with SARS, and the protocols they had in place for for the corona for COVID nineteen. This coronavirus they call it, but it's actually called COVID nineteen because both of those are both coronaviruses. Oh, okay. so the SARS virus. Yeah, the SARS is also a coronavirus in that same family. And also, I got to say that the, the common cold is also a part of the coronavirus family. So. There's a large number of viruses that are part of the same so family. So we're always going to have some sort of coronavirus around. Yeah, well, if you, you know, there's different families too. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. but uh, the thing is, China know how, knew how to deal with the SARS after they had to, to go through what they, they went through. And so they put these protocols in place to better regulate another outbreak in the future. And what happened was, you know, they had all these individual, you know, health centers where they, 
not really clinics, mobile setups almost on the streets, different places, multiple locations, hospital beds. They had it all set up. They shut down the city, and now they're on the downswing, and they've controlled that, the, the bell curve. You know, they flattened the curve, as you call it, and, and now they, they, they're rebounding in the stock market as the entire world is suffering major economic losses in the stocks. The global market is tanking, but China's back up. They're in the positive. And so you have to kind of follow the models of success. And if you, if you look at China, they, they, that's the model of success. They, you have to have these shutdowns. Social distancing is not strong enough. And I really am disappointed in what happened today with Trudeau not shutting the borders and, you know, to, to America. And uh, he's basically, he, he didn't really do anything to control the virus. So different cities are now enforcing their own shutdowns and maybe he behind the scenes he's encouraging everybody to to do that because he couldn't do it on a federal mandate i don't know for whatever reasons people like to suspect that he, well it's probably a pretty big, bullied by trump you yeah know, it's like, like a pretty big political reason i think he didn't yeah decide to shut down the border because i don't me, I, I don't i don't know if you know this but trump's a pretty vindictive guy so if you tell him of course if you tell him hey we're gonna shut down the border he might he might yeah. retaliate in some way and you can't have that border shut down just completely because just literally people would try, literally it, people would it, starve in canada if that's the case, if that's what's happened, it's just weak leadership. And uh, so it, I didn't like that. But at the end of the day, we have to be smart going forward. Like people need to just maintain healthy distances from other people. If you're sick, you need to stay home, stay away from your other family members who are still going outside. You know, you have to make sure you have enough items to stock up with, but they're not going to shut down the grocery stores. Don't go crazy. You know, don't go out mm. buying. You can still buy food in Italy right now. You, yeah, and skip the dishes still works, right, guys? So, like, you know, there are ways to get food. If you're on low income, low budget, you know, you might need to ration a little bit. Uh, you, you may need to ask for government assistance, whatever. Trudeau is working on a federal package. And talk to your local governments, whatever it is. But the one thing you can't do is, is go out there and, and possibly be a vector if you don't need to go out there. The more people that stay home or... or or keep themselves in a relative isolation. You don't have to stay inside your house. Like I just went for a walk around the neighborhood. You know, there's, there's not a lot of people on the road, but whenever you were passing anybody, you just kind of maintain a distance and and it's kind of it's a, the courteous thing to do, but you got to like just avoid the bars, avoid the restaurants, avoid public gatherings. You know, they will be shutting the schools down from what I've heard. Uh, just we got to be smart. If we're going to overcome this sooner and, and we want to get hockey back, we have to be smart. Yeah. And uh, you know, just for people my age, like for example, I'm 25, and like it, it's pretty much been described as like an old person's disease in a way. Like it's only going to kill like the super old people. But I mean, I've been let, let, and let me and let me say I've been like deep down this coronavirus rabbit hole ever since like last Thursday. Like I'm constantly looking this shit up. It's like part of the reason I wanted to have you in here because I know you're a doctor and you know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Like you can give me at least some like reass- like some actual facts, some scientific facts, but. Well, I was, the, the good, yeah. yeah, no, I was just looking that the health minister of France said like half of the ICU cases they have are people between the ages of 30 and 50. And so, yeah. in South Korea, it, where they test everyone, like everyone, they found that 30% of people from ages 20 to 29 actually had the coronavirus, but they, yeah. weren't, they weren't showing any symptoms. And that's the scary thing to me is you can be asymptomatic and you can be, feel perfectly fine and be spreading so, this yeah. thing around. So again, with with these novel viruses, there's more information coming out daily. There there are scientists and then in the labs working behind the scenes night, like day and night, and they're trying to 
they're trying to figure out what this virus can do short term, the acute effects, how they can diagnose it um, better, how they can uh, how they can potentially treat the symptoms better. And they're also working on vaccines and those take time. You know, you typically eight to 12 months is the timeline I'm hearing. But the virus itself, when you're dealing with a virus, it, every host that encounters the virus not only acts as a, a, a vector and a host to replicate the virus, but it also hosts to potentially mute the virus to mutate, right? So there are, are two known mutations of the original strain. So that means Already? there's three strains. Yeah, there's oh, three strains in existence right now. Two known mutations. One was the weaker version, and another one was a stronger version, which is the which is the strain that is affecting younger people now. So, and, and causing more severe symptoms in younger people. So, that severe strain is potentially the one that that can have longer lasting impacts on on younger people. I was reading uh, about that, like chron- there's, so there's, chronic yeah. lung issues, and but again, all of this it, it's not official until it's repeatable in the in a lab environment then you can confirm its its validity. But the theories are out there and, and the early tests are out there to show that, yeah, there could be potentially some long-term effects, but we've only seen this virus for a few months. So how accurate is the long-term? You know what I mean? Like we don't know yeah. the true long-term. Maybe it takes six months to fight it off fully and you're back to normal, 100%. Your body's immune system is constantly fighting off invaders. That's what it does. It, it recognizes anything that's not a part of your host and, and it fights it off and it, and so with this virus, if it's affecting your lungs, it may take time because of the potency of the virus for the, for the body to fully fight it off. And your body doesn't have a full immune system response the whole time. It's when the, the viral load is at its peak, that's when your immune system is fighting. The response is at its peak. And then when the load goes down, the immune system response goes down. But when you have a low viral load potentially lingering, your immune system is not as active. So it takes a little bit longer to, to kind of okay. fully clear it out of your system. You know what I mean? And the other thing about France, you have to understand there's a lot of people that smoke cigarettes in France. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's a part of the culture, uh, cigars and cigarettes. And so their lungs are inherently genetically predisposed for chronic disorders. What about Spain? There's tons of cases in Spain. Of what? Of In Spain. Do Spanish people smoke that much? Sorry, in Spain? Uh, I'm not too familiar. I'm, I'm assuming that the, the European culture does. They do, do they like to smoke, but we know we know for a fact the French are frequent smokers. Like they smoke in public in restaurants. It's that kind of a setup there. But I'm not sure about Spain, so I, I can't really comment there. But um, in China, for example, more men died than women uh, in the stats because the men are all smokers, right? And mm-hmm. so. Um, there, there's different factors that come into play. So at the, at the end of the day, if you're immunocompromised or if you smoke cigarettes or if you have, you know, you're say 50, 60 and older, you have to be smarter than that dim-witted 20 year old who, you know, pisses you off because he's ignorant, but he's ignorant because he's 20. He doesn't really think about the, the other populace. He's only thinking about himself selfishly or herself selfishly. Right. So at the end of the day that we don't know what we're fully dealing with, so just be vigilant. Be cautious, but don't be, don't panic because panic and fear weakens your immune system. Stress, the release of cortisol weakens your immune system. And the more you think about anything, like if you know about Kobe Bryant, for example, uh, mama mentality, it, it works both ways. The more you think about a goal, the more you can bring that goal into fruition and achieve it. The more you think about a negative entity or a negative energy you know the more you attract that and the more 
it will come to fruition. It will present itself. And, and this is just more of a deeper dive, I guess. I don't know how many, you know, how many of your listeners are going to understand or resonate what I'm talking about, but this is just ancient wisdom, call it that, or wisdom that's been passed on for, for many generations. You, you read about it, you learn about it, you hear about it, and it's based in a sense of reality. So just don't panic, don't stress, just be cautious, be smart. And everything's going to be okay. Protect yourself and protect your family. That's the best advice anybody can ever give you, right? So, so, so Canada needs that Mamba mentality to get through the coronavirus. hundred percent. Okay. Okay. So well, we need that Mamba mentality in life in general. Come on, guys. Yeah. Hey, I've, hey, the 2020 has just been a wild year. First Kobe and now the coronavirus. Like, it's just been. I know this has been a crazy. It's been a crazy, crazy like start to the year. Three, not even three months. Have you guys heard some some weird conspiracies theories about all of everything going on? Oh, about the I don't coronavirus? know if you guys want to get it. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I've heard. Terrible, I've, yeah. I've read. I've read all of it. I've heard that uh, it was actually how it started was a Chinese national brought the coronavirus from Canada to China, and then it it, spread, it somehow accidentally spread from there. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear that one. Yeah, but. that's the one I heard. So I mean, uh, I've heard a couple wild ones. Uh, I'll just I'll just say two of the ones that I've heard. Okay, yeah, no, I'm, I'm one, a big conspiracy one, theory guy, so like I'm all, this again. Is these are just cons- yeah, these are just conspiracy theories. Uh, uh, they're not based in fact, but they're fun to th- think about sometimes. So if everybody puts on their tinfoil hat for a second. But uh, one of the theories I've heard is that uh, this is an attempt to disrupt uh, Donald Trump's election cycle. Oh, okay. His ability to campaign, his ability to to ra- have rallies. And and whatnot, and so, um, you know, you can call it a influence of China or Russia or the Democrats. But this is a wild again. This is all just foolish nonsense. The other funny one I heard was that uh, it was based out of China to uh, weaken the global economy, which they have done, and now they've fought it off themselves, and their economy is growing stronger, and everybody else is tanking, and now they're buying up all the stocks oh. around the world. So that's the other See, funny I one. I, heard. I mean, that, that one. Yeah, that one seems a bit more believable, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, we're going down a rabbit hole, a rabbit hole. So let's not let's not go too deep here. But interesting stuff, right? Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you're you're an optometrist. Do you have to learn about like viruses and all that stuff, like before you get? Your oh, op- come on, guys. Of course. Okay, no, uh, you, I'm just don't, you don't. You don't. No, you can't. You can't become a, a healthcare professional if you don't go through the the the, the regular classes: epidemiology, statistics, biology, chemistry, physics. The yeah. human body, uh, kinesi- kinesi- uh, kinesi- uh, sorry, kinesiology, and uh, and uh, you know, um, and then you, you do a lot of systemic courses in the first year of optometry. I took a lot of courses with MDs and DOs and you know, um, uh, uh, dentists and, and veterinarians. So uh, everybody's, or sorry, not vets. Uh, um, everybody's like in the first year of optometry, learning about the human body because the eyes are connected yeah. in so it's many ways. Like we can look into the back of your eye and diagnose diabetes, hypertension, cholesterol, certain central nervous system disorders, uh, you know, neuritis, uh, optic neuritis uh, can be a sign of a uh, of MS. You know, like uh, there, there's so many different ways that the the human body is connected to each other, and specifically when it, when it comes to the eye, um, you know, neurologically, uh, you, know, you know, like I said, cardiovascularly. Uh, so there's many ways that that we learn about just the body and I'm not going to ever call myself uh, as knowledgeable as an MD, but you know, the idea that I'm ju- I just know about eyes, which a lot of people like to think, or somebody who's a dentist just knows about teeth. 
you know, like it's, it's a bit of a, uh, I'm not saying you were saying, but it's a disrespect on the idea that okay, uh, I, I'm sorry if I offended you. I was just generally, no, you curious. didn't. No, I'm, okay. I, I, I mean, in life, you sometimes get a little bit of that. So, okay. So uh, I'm about yeah. to run out of contacts. Can I come to your store and get like a hookup? Like in a couple of, of months, course. I'm almost going to be out of. Out you invited of me onto your uh, podcast here, so yeah. I get a little hook up there. Okay, yeah, I think Kyle, uh, Kyle needs some new frames as well. So maybe we just get a yeah, whole Kyle. next misconduct uh, <laughs> deal. Power of the power of the contacts. Let's do it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's a. I was thinking of changing the name of the podcast to Power of the Purell, considering what's going on. <laughs> I, I wasn't really sure. Power, like power of the power of the sixty percent alcohol content Purell. There. Yeah. So like. What I've always been curious about, it says this, I have a bottle of Purell Prosemi, kills 99.9% of germs. What happens if this thing's the 0.01 that doesn't get killed? Uh, so there's always an element of resistance in life. So, um, again, it comes down to mutation yeah, or random. Uh, but in any sample size, there's going to be uh, a just little bit of one anomaly. On right now. It's okay. just part of natural natural selection. So, um, that's how you evolve. That's how bugs become strain resistant, you know, um, or just resistant to antibiotics. Uh, and so that you can never be a hundred percent, uh, you can never a hundred percent kill off all the germs because the resistant germs are going to be the ones that survive and then they will multiply again. And then now you have to re form a new and like a hand sided hazard that can kill this resistant bacteria or that resistant virus. So it's just a, it's a part of life. It's natural selection. It's Darwin evolution. We're every little cell and organism is constantly evolving to survive in its environmental conditions. Right. So that's just why that you go 99.99999% whatever you want to call it, but there's always that it's never a hundred percent. There's always a point, a fraction that can survive and, it forces your hand to So what to you're saying is eventually every virus out there is going to be resistant to Purell if we keep on using it. Oh yeah, for sure. And they're going to, then they're going to add another ingredient into Purell that, that, that can kill that resistant bacteria. And then you're going to remarket Purell right. and there you go. The so, cosmic dance continues. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. The cosmic dance. I like that. So let's get back, I guess, to a bit more hockey talk. Let's so, when, if this if this season ever gets back, and you know when you listen to this episode, you'll hear me earlier saying I think you're taking crazy pills at this point. If you think hockey's coming back before April, I think that well, earliest, I, have a couple ideas. I think I have the a couple earliest ideas. hockey starts up, I think, is kind of like that Victoria Day long week because you got to think about all these athletes are going to be presumably under quarantine for like a month. They're not skating. They're not yeah. really working out. There's got to be some sort of mini camp before the season starts to get these players back in the shape, just to back in the skating shape. But what do you think, if there's a season, if they do some sort of shortened season, what do you think that's going to look like? Uh, so, first of all, I don't think they're going to do a mini camp. That's just you're not going to extend it any further. Uh, I think players are going to be training at home and they're going to be told to maintain you know, their training and fitness because the season isn't over. So it's, we're in limbo right now. It's not like they've been given the green light to go vacation because yeah, you but, can't yeah, travel. Yeah, but how many of these guys have like a gym at home? They can. Some of these everybody guys, has they, a gym. Every pro athlete has they, a gym at but home. It, but it's not the same as you know a, a weight room at a, at a rink or somewhere. They can't leave their home. It's not the same. It's not the same. And they can't you're skate. Right. And you can't skate. You're right. Some people may have <clears throat> um, outdoor rinks. You know, if they're living in Minnesota or whatnot. But uh, you're right. It, it is going to be different for some. But they're going to train. They're going to stay in shape. And these other pro athletes have been playing hockey all their lives. 
what I can envision happening is the season's going to start again, say June, and we'll start in skating, you know, practice sessions uh, four days before the first game. So it's going to be a, maybe a four days of conditioning and practicing and just getting back up to speed, maybe two days, maybe three days. So if you want to call that a mini camp, sure, that might happen. But I believe what they're going to do is say, as soon as they get the green light to, you know, everything is back to normal. You know, the virus is contained. We're going to reopen the world or North America to the, all the sports, all the people, everything, all the businesses. I think you'll get like two practices and we'll get right back into the schedule. I think they might play five games of the regular season or whatever, four or five, some teams that play six just to get everybody to a certain number, maybe 75 instead of 82. But there's certain things that need to be played out in the regular season. You can't just take the results as they are now and start the playoffs. I don't see that happening. They may not I think have a choice, though. I don't know. I think if you're going to – you can play five games in, in, in like eight or nine days, right? So maybe four games in a week for some teams. And, and So I think they can do that. One week, what is that in the grand scheme of things, right? So I think they'll play out a few more games in the regular season, and then the, the playoffs will be decided by that. So it's, it'll be like a really condensed, you know, stretched run, final drive. And, and whatever teams make it out of that, the playoffs are definitely going to be a bit shortened. Uh, you're not going to see two-game breaks as much. You're not going to see bigger, you know, they're going to start the second round for some teams if the matchup's made already. And uh, third round is going to start a little earlier while the second round's still finishing. It's going to be that kind of a crossover just to speed things up. And then we're going to have a delay start to next year. Uh, maybe possibly a shortened season next year, and um, maybe it gets pushed back into instead of playoffs being April, May, June. Maybe the playoffs are May, June, July, or whatever it is. It's going to impact next season, and then the following year after that, when we welcome uh, Seattle into the fold, that's when we'll have you know some normalcy again. So okay, see, I'm of the opinion that they're just going to start the playoffs right away and use the standings as is and forego the regular season. And I get that. and I get like other bunch of teams haven't played the exact same amount of games, or you could use like point percentage or something like that to figure it out. Yeah, it's just tough, I think. I mean, if it stretches on for a while and they still have a short window to do the playoffs, yeah, that can happen. Obviously, there's a chance it can happen. I think the, the greater risk is that we lose the season entirely if this thing continues for a while here. Um, if we're still in a relative shutdown or you know, into, into June, into July... Um, then I don't see them playing the season out. I think it's just gonna they're just gonna consider it like a lockout. Um, you know, they got the they have they had a, half the season, but there's no champion, so it's kind of it's gonna be really weird, guys. If that happens, I just don't know what to think yeah. of that. But yeah, it would be it's very. Almost, weird, it's, like we, it's honestly a real possibility like, at this point. It's a real possibility, and it's like it'll be like they stole you know the hockey gods stole a year out of everybody's life, right? Yeah. So I don't know how to think about that. I hope they get to play the season out. I really do. I I want to see these Canucks in the playoffs. I, yeah. I, I'm look, I was looking forward to it from the beginning of the year, and it was it was happening right up until that last game. You know, the hope restored back in the fan base. Besser's back. We're going on a streak. You know, right before that game, everybody jumped off the wagon, and people gave up hope. And I was just sitting there like, what are you guys doing? Relax. Positivity. <laughs> so, yeah. And now there's uh, literally no games anymore. Nah, so much for that, eh? Yeah, Can't always be positive. But see, I, I would, can still try. But. See, I was thinking on the drive over here, I was thinking that, hey, why don't they just, like, why don't they just, like, the CDC has said no gatherings of more than 50 people for at least two months. Why don't they, even if it, like, 
they can still play a bit earlier behind closed doors if they have for certain, like, everyone is clean and quarantined this whole time. They could. It would be difficult. How can you determine that? Yeah. The, the amount of people and personnel involved in maintaining pro sports, just too many trainers, coaching staff, um, you know, management. And, you, and hockey is the type of game where you're running into close contact with people's sweat, breaths, you know, uh, you know, uh, every gloves are touching and it's just too much, right? You know, you are wiping your nose and during the games or whatever, sweat down your eyes and there's too much exchange potentially in hockey. And, um, and, and I don't think it's, it's a, that's never going to be a possibility when you're dealing with a shutdown. First of all, if it was, if it was, you know, a few months, like a month from now and things are kind of quieting down and they want to trickle, they want to trickle in sports and businesses again. And maybe that happens. Maybe they keep the fans though, and they just bring the teams in. Maybe that happens to kickstart the season again. But um, when you're dealing with that, the like the current stages right now, there's no way you can do that. Yeah. But I'm just uh, thinking about these owners. They want to get back as, as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of cost. I'm proud of a lot of these owners for stepping up, and a lot of players are actually stepping up around the different leagues and and giving their the worker support. And and uh, you know, honestly, it shows you know these kind of tragic events, uh, uh, global events. They they really do show. Uh, they unify humanity a little bit. They bring people a little bit closer together and you kind of, it, it's a, in, encouraging in that way. Sometimes you have to go through like these, uh, these global events to really put your priorities in place and gain perspective again. But, you know, it's nice to see the gestures that a lot of people are stepping up. Uh, not enough. Obviously there's a lot of billionaires out there that are too selfish. Um, you know, it's disappointing for a lot, but uh, sometimes you know, power, greed, uh, it just corrupts the mind too much that you know you're too far gone from that human connection, that human element that you don't you don't really see people as as people. You see them as you know, I hate to say the word, but slaves or just you know, just uh, laborers and, and, and peasants and whatnot, right? So that mindset sometimes exists too much for billionaires. But um, there are a lot that have been stepping up, and Aquilini has stepped up here locally, and um, good to see the the, the fan pressure causing Calgary uh, sports and entertainment yeah. to step up there. And I love to see that. And so, you know, there's always the, the power of the mob. Don't ever underestimate that. Yeah. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can attest to that. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, for sure. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I got that reference. <laughs> oh, it's just like everyone seems to be going after you all the time. That's why. Oh, well, I mean, uh, that's, I got, I got, we got our own little army, like the, the, like the, the large cast, I guess, has a lot of support for people that the silent majority, I like to call them. And, um, it's true. I mean, uh, uh, I don't know about, that's a whole different thing. Mob, there's, there's too many different mobs in the Canucks nation right now. Everybody needs to take a step back and just going back, go back to loving the team and stop worrying too much about things you can't control. And yeah, that's what we lost sight of a little bit. Uh, the game that we love, the game that we watch. I mean, why are we all trying to, be armchair GMs and think we know better than the GMs and coaches and, and the players that are playing these games. Like it's just, it gets too much guys, but that's just how I feel. I know some people think, Oh, we're all friends. Let us yeah, be friends I think, it's, way, I think but, it's just part of being a fan. Like you think you can do, yeah. you do the job yourself. Yeah. It, that, that's fine. If you, if you don't take it too, too far, if you start taking it too far where you actually act like you, you actually are, are, you know, holier than thou in that attitude that like you really, you, you really believe that you know better than the GM or the owners and whatnot. Well, now you've lost sight of the, the greater picture here, but, uh, people, you know, it's fun to, it's fun to project. It's fun to, to debate. It's fun to talk about different things, but when you start to be ignorant and believe you actually know better than, than experienced individuals who've been around the game their entire lives or, or experienced, uh, 
analysts, you know, and uh, then you're going a bit too far and it's a bit treacherous. It can cause some people to get uh, upset with your takes, I guess, but it is part of life, you know, what can you do? Mm. So one other thing I think that's interesting coming out of this whole, you know, pause suspension in the NHL season is what could potentially happen to the salary cap next year. Now I read a couple yeah, articles right. that are saying that it could actually, the salary cap could actually decrease because they're just losing out on so much revenue, especially if they have a truncated playoffs or they have to cancel the season. So if the salary cap decreases, like what do you think that means for the Vancouver Canucks? How do they, how do they get out of it? Or what do you think is going to happen to the salary cap? I'm of the opinion that they're just going to let it stay the same. Yeah, even if they let it stay the same, um, I think they'll offer us every team uh, at least one compliance buyout. Um, I think um, if it decreases, you're definitely going to see some some form of compliance buyout available to teams, and and they've already been talking about this this recapture penalty that uh, you know Shea Weber and a couple other players around the league are facing if they retire, and it gets a little ridiculous with those years. The, the amount of money that teams are going to get strung up for. So um, there, there are different things that can occur and then obviously it can affect the, the free agent pool as well. I mean, players that are heading to free agency may overall, the market may see a, a downward trend and they may not make as much as originally expected with the, with the salary rise or even just, you know, before we heard that the wonderful news that it was going up to 80, 84 to, to 88, you know, it, it, it was still considered 80, 83-ish, right? So, um if it decreases, I, I would expect the league to step in a little bit there and then and, and, uh, figure that out from that end, maybe soften up some of the rules just for the year, that kind of stuff. But again, it's one of those things we have to wait and see. If they play the season out or even play five games and play the playoffs, well, maybe that salary still goes up because everything, the balance is restored, right? So there's a lot to wait and see here, and ultimately that's what we got to do. All right, so if the Canucks get one compliance buyout, who are you using it on? If we're allowed to buy anybody out with a compliance bow, I mean, let's, it's Louis Erickson, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, if it can't be Louis uh, for whatever reason, uh, if it's too much money for ownership, I don't know. I don't know the full scope around the compliance bow and how it works, but if it can't be Louis Erickson, then I think it'll be Brandon Sutter or Jay Beagle. Um, Jay Beagle. I was a big fan of this guy. I think he's he's been great for the room over the years, but he seems to have lost a step a bit here. Uh, maybe he's injured. Maybe he's banged up. Uh, maybe this is a blessing in disguise, the, the time to heal up here. And maybe he comes back and he, he's a force. So those are the three guys I feel would be the targets there. How about you guys? What do you guys think? I think it's Louis Erickson, 100%. Like, I don't think there's yeah. really any debate. Yeah. Like, he's the guy with the biggest cap hit. You know, he yep. still has, you know, a couple more years after this. Two more years after this. So yeah. it makes it makes the most sense to get six million off your yeah. 100% off your books, it does. No penalty. Yep. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So, so what, what, let me ask you: the compliance value is basically uh, how does it work for the in terms of value and dollars and value? The owner take a hit at all? I, think I really it, don't I know think, the rules. Well, I think all the compliance value is, and I think they did it after the after the short the last lockout, right? All it is is yeah. it's the same buyout, but it doesn't count against the cap. So, so you can buy a play, any player out. It just then nothing counts. Yeah, it's just nothing against the cap. I think. Uh, oh, I think, well, then 100. Yeah, I don't yeah. Agree I think there. I think the there's Flyers no use it on like Brizgalov or something like that. Oh yeah, but they, it's, they it's had a, a nasty yeah, contract there. So it's the same. It's just a regular buyout, but it doesn't count against no, the cap. No, that's perfect. Or yeah. Then we're then we're then we're singing, we're dancing, we're mm-hmm. laughing. Yeah, no, it's got it's got to be Louis. <laughs> so sorry, we you, you've been here for a while, and I appreciate you coming on. We just got a, I just got a couple more questions. So 
The okay, whole, sure, yeah. Ra- ra- we'll do a rapid fire. Rapid fire. Okay, so the whole Benning bro versus Bitter bro, are are would you? Are, let's make this. Let's make this official. Are you a Benning bro or a Bitter bro? Uh, I'm a Canucks bro. You're neither. I'm a Canucks bro. What's that? Well, Benning is just a, a jam. He's a pond, and obviously, I'm not bitter. So I'm a Canucks bro. It doesn't matter who brings us the cap, but you know, it's all about the Canucks. Who was the person who started Benning Bro? You know? Patrick, I think. Pat- was- Patrick Duda Bad, I think his name oh, is. Benning on Bro. That. Okay, I like that. Yeah. And you're the. I think he start- also started. I think. I think he also started Bitter Bro. I got to give oh, him okay. a shout out. That's kind of funny. Yeah. So he, he might have started-, started both. Wow. Okay. So he started two big hashtags in. Uh, I Twitter. believe. I believe. I, I got to give him credit. I know he started one for sure. So the whole Benning Bro thing is ridiculous. I mean, um, just because you're a fan of a team, people label you as a fan of that management. It, it's not the case. You were a fan of a Canucks team and you choose to have a more positive or optimistic mentality. It doesn't mean you're slurping a GM. It just means you choose not to be negative or to be bitter about things that are going on. And it, and you, you have a little bit more foresight or patience to wait out a typical valley because the NHL teams go through peaks and valleys when they're rebuilding. You know, this is a classic situation. Many teams have gone through it. The Penguins, the Kings, the Capitals, the Blackhawks were on a 10-year, you know, valley. They, yeah. they, they, they bottomed out for a while. I mean, they probably had a fair share of bidders calling for heads and they, they actually got their heads chopped off. A lot of management, you know, exchange happened there, right? So there's no, it's just, it's just silly terms and, you know, I like to play on social media a little bit on Twitter. It's a great avenue to to have some fun if you know how to, to manipulate. But I'm not saying I, I do it with a with a with a what do you call it a uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't do it with a uh, nah, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not trying to be manipulative in a mm-hmm. in a oh, okay. in a bad way. Like I'm not trying to you know I'm trying to I'm trying to play the game. And, and spin the spin, if you know what I mean. Spin it in a positive and, way. And, yeah, or just spin it back to where it should be. Like, if you get a take, like, on a player or this trade or whatnot, it's, like, automatically, like, oh, this is fucking garbage. Excuse my language. This is garbage. And I'm going to be like, okay, well, maybe it's just, it's not garbage, right? And so it's, like, right back in their fix. And, and it just restores a little bit of balance. And, uh yeah, like I'm not trying to manipulate with mal- uh, malicious intent. Like I guess that's what I was, the term I was looking for. But uh, I'm just sick of hearing all these negative spins on normal hockey situations. Like these are normal situations. Many teams go through them. Many teams are going to keep going through them. There is no right or wrong answer because the ultimate answer is whether you win the cup or not. So you can pretend to know better or you could pretend you would have done things differently if you were run, running a franchise and organization in charge of thousands of people. And, you know, uh, you could pretend that you know better, but ultimately you don't know crap. And so in my opinion, Benning bro, bitter bro, it's all nonsense. But if the bitters want to chirp, a Canucks bro is going to flip their chirp right back at them. All right, Canucks bro, I like it. You should consider changing large cast to Canucks bro. Or something like that. Oh, I can't give I can't give up the Lars cast. Come on, we gotta give Tommy Larshide the love See, that he deserves. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. Good good point. So speaking of the Larshiders, uh when this when the hockey comes back, uh how do me, Kyle, and Trevor get tickets with Larshiders? Like how how does that work? Can so we get the hook up? It's, uh, it, yeah, you guys since uh, you know me now, uh, you can you can message me and I can get you guys some tickets. You could try it out for a game. You could be 
you know, I can honestly probably get you guys in on, on a, on the full package that we get there. Um, I think it's, it's eight games this year. Um, and next year it might be nine or 10. And, uh, the price is most likely going up a little bit, but you know, we've got a nice little deal here, but, uh, cause you know, we, we raise hell in the building, so we deserve it, I guess. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's all up in the air for next season. But if you guys want to go for a game, um, there's one last game that was on the schedule this year. So if we ever get started again, let me know. Uh, otherwise shoot me a message next year on August, September. And, uh, yeah, I'll get you guys. A, I, there's no discussion. There's no discussion for a full 40, 41, 42 game home. Uh, it's 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 corporations, guys. Yeah. Come on, like they have to make their money. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But okay, awesome. Yeah, it, you know how it is. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. What's the plan for the large cast with uh, coming up? Well, we were we had a nice episode planned for today, but uh, some guys are feeling a little you know, under the weather and then people are just being cautious. So we're not going to the studio. Um, we had a couple guests that we, we were going to line up today. It was going to be fun, um, but we're going to have to reschedule. And then maybe we'll do a, just a phone call, you know, using an app like Zoom or whatnot. Uh, there's a few out there. Maybe we'll do that for tonight. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. But uh, we're still, we're trying to figure this out too. You know, everything's so fluid here. This is a very, very unique situation, I must say. Uh, um, but, um, you know, everybody's just territory. Uh, Uncharted territory, but uh, everybody should just stay calm and, and you know be smart, but don't freak out. That's yeah. the one this, thing hey, I want to tell you, all, all your this listeners. This may be the last time out. I can come in the posted up studios in uh, in North Burnley for a while. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't know. We don't know where this is going to go, and even if it takes another downward turn, um, and, and it gets worse before it gets better, at the end of the day, mass hysteria, panic, and fear it serves no greater purpose. And uh, that's ultimately the message I want to help, uh, okay. give your listeners. So I should they, start, they start listen, like yeah. looking up coronavirus stuff like for three hours a day is what you're saying. You can stay informed, but don't go down these dark rabbit holes that if you start stressing out, and if you deal with anxiety, the worst thing you can do is continue to focus on the source of that anxiety. You need to clear your head, clear your mind, focus on things that can calm your anxiety down. And then if you want to inform yourself on another article here and there, go back and forth, that's fine. It's human nature to be informed, but to be anxious or, or stressed out about it, that's when you're going too far. So I'd say just take a step back if that's you. If it's not you, if you're, if you're level-headed, you're calm, and you're just staying informed, and you're going down all these articles, go ahead. I'm doing the same thing, right? I'm a doctor, right? By nature, I want to stay informed. And, you know, a lot of the funny memes that are out there, too, it's nice to, to, to keep people, you know, like in good spirits. Right. But uh, at the end of the day, uncharted territory, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming no on worries. the podcast. Tej, uh, we'll talk soon, huh? For sure. Thanks hopefully, for having me. Nick. Hopefully we can and, have uh, you on a future episode. Yeah, no problem. Just give me a, uh, shoot me a message and uh, I'd be happy to help you guys out. Okay. Uh, Nick, Kyle, thanks for having me on guys. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, Kyle says thanks as well. He's a uh, deep in thought listening to music right now, but he, he, <laughs> sent, he sends his regards. All right. Thanks to Tej Dollywall for, Hopping on the podcast, much appreciated in these uh, in these uncertain times. All right, so let's get to our uh, let's get to our segments. Our first segment. A big fan of a uh, big fan of the fans out there. It's uh, it's way to go, Jimmy. Where we go through the trials and tribulations of one Jim Matheson. I'm ahead of them. Right, way to go, Jimmy, where we check in 
with the one and only Jim Matheson of the Evanston Journal. Now this this one I wanted to point out because this is this one's not sarcastic at all. This is a genuinely way to go, Jimmy. This is a great take. This is what he had to say uh, around the uh, around the whole. So a lot of teams, like the a lot of teams, are coming out and just paying these part time workers who are uh, who rely who work at work at games like the games would be going on. Uh, the Canucks haven't. I've sort of committed. They've kind of like. I'm not a big fan of like. Oh man, please, sir, can I have my my month's wages? Like I don't. I'm not a big fan of that. Not at all. But this is what Jim Masson said about uh, the Edmonton situation. <clears throat> Sorry, but Oilers Entertainment Group should be stepping up right now and saying they are paying all game day employees who are scheduled to work Oilers games at Rogers Place between now and March 31st. Don't mull over situations. Just do it. Just do it was all in caps. Jim, way to go, man. Way to go. This is not sarcastic at all. Way to go, Jimmy. That's a great take. Every single NHL team should be paying their game day employees just through through the rest of the week. The rest of the month, sorry. I think, and I think uh, there was a couple of Twitter accounts who brought up, people are going to look back at this and remember the owners who went out of their way to shaft their game day employees. And this one's doing numbers. This has a 403 retweets. Way to go, Jimmy. Way to go. We're all, we, at Power of the Towel, are very happy for you and, and proud of you. We really are. Now, you may be spending a lot more time at home. You may be looking for something to do during the day. Maybe looking for something to binge. That's what probably everyone's going to be doing during this. I don't think there's ever been a better time for, in terms of entertainment during these type of situations than right now. We have entire history of entertainment at our fingertips for the most part. So I'm just going to go through you, uh, go through some of my uh, my recommendations for what to watch when you're you're stuck at home. I'm going to go for my first, this is my first one. If you have not watched this at all. Hopefully you can recognize this theme song right now. It's The Sopranos. If you have not seen The Sopranos, this is like the perfect show to, to binge during this type of stuff. I'm, I think I might go through it again. I've seen Sopranos, I think, three three times through. I might have to go through it again. That's just how good this show is. I still think, you know, hey, maybe we turn this show into like a TV music movie podcast while there's no sports going, no Canucks talk going on. Oh yeah, Tony Soprano might be one of the best TV characters ever. He is the the archetype of like a TV anti-hero you see later in like Walter White and Breaking Bad. Just an amazing show. I would I would watch that one for sure. If you're looking for something a bit looking for something a bit brighter. If you're looking for a comedy, I think there's no I was watching this actually recently, trying to get back into it. I watched the new season all throughout. It's hilarious. I love the new season. It's curb your enthusiasm. Maybe Larry David has cre- probably one of the greatest comedy writers ever. He's helped create two of the greatest comedies in recent history in Seinfeld and Kirby Enthusiasm. If you're a big fan of that cringy sort of humor, kind of situational humor, 
Then you gotta watch Kirby Enthusiasm. Another good comedy to watch. Not Kirby Enthusiasm. Nathan for you. Featuring local Vancouver comedian. Nathan Fielder. Where he pretends to be a uh, a small business consultant and gives all these small businesses like just the randomest ideas and they go through with it. Like there's one episode where it's super cheap gas by rebate and the rebate is you have to hike up a mountain for two days to get it. And it's just pretty much an experiment to see how many people have enough time in their hands to save $25 on gas. And these people do end up like camping overnight to try and get a rebate. <laughs> Those are the three shows that came right off the top of my head. Three shows I think everyone needs to watch. And I think I'm going to be doing this every week until as long as whoever knows how long this lasts, but like hopefully hopefully not too long. I think next week I'm going to do books. Got a lot of I'm gonna go through the old book collection in my uh in my bedroom and see uh and recommend maybe four to five books. I've got I've got tons of books. Got you know, if you wanna re- I'll I'll recommend some fiction, I'll recommend some nonfiction sports books. Just five, just five five books from my collection I will recommend to everyone next week. I think that's fair. All right, that's it for uh this week's episode of Power of the Towel. Make sure to subscribe to the Nux Misconduct Network. You'll get this show. You'll get Silky and Filthy. You'll get the Quickie. That's that Trevor Bake still doing the daily hockey content. You'll get, of course, this show, Power of the Towel. You'll get, I think, Kyle's planning still to do episodes of Sip It On to 40. No, won't be a game recap, but it'll be something. And once again, I am your host, Nick Bonney. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Bonney. You can follow this, this account, the podcast account, at Power of the Towel. I post clips of there all the time. Once again, this is Nick Bonney of Power of the Towel. Thank you for listening.